1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. For joining us today, we have a really good show for you today. We're going to follow up. Kelly Girl is going to continue to ask questions about my former life as a captain, as a deckhand, as a union trade show installer, decorator, uh, all kinds of different things we're going to go over today. Also, during this time while we're chit-chatting, we're, uh, hey, Marley. Marley loves this part of his day. This is his very most exciting part of his day, to be perfectly honest with you, because he loves being on the show. That is his thing. He likes to be on the show. He really enjoys himself when he's on the show, and uh, Marley's on the show today. Marley! So that's going on here, and then we have another thing going on. We, uh, we're we going to be uh, answering your questions, too, to the best of our ability here today on the show. Okay. Kelly Girl has the phone. She's going to ask the questions. If you guys text us a question, we have a couple of questions that have already come in. We'll look at those. Wow. And pl- yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy days. We got a couple of questions that come in. How do you get your questions asked on the show? You got to text them to Kelly Girl at 949-374-0786, and we will answer your questions. We have a few things to go over real quick. Today is Roasted Anchor Coffee Company Thursday. They have... Uh, blessed us with the most amazing coffee that Kelly and I have ever drank. We drink it every single morning. Sometimes Kelly has it in the middle of the day because she (laughs) needs a little pick-me-up. But I'm telling you, Roasted Anchor Coffee is an incredible product. And the best part about it is it's a local company, family-owned, right in the heart of San Diego. You guys have to go check it out. When you're over there checking it out, just by entering the store through this QR code, And those of you on TikTok, just go to Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. Put in the code YSWG. You're going to save 20% on your order of coffee. Plus, look at the monkeys laying out. He loves to lay out. He's doing his yoga this morning or today. Plus, if you enter through the QR code, that's going to let Elliot track who you are. And then we're going to pick one lucky winner on the 1st of July to give a gift package out. So grab that QR code. We're going to get going with our show. And then... We got one seat left, and if it's a couple, they said they'll add an extra seat. But we have one seat left for the uh, CCA dinner at SeaWorld with Kelly Girl and I. We sold out all our seats except for one. So if you have have somebody you want to bring with you, Wayne and I were talking, and we'll add an extra seat to our table because it's kind of weird. That there's one seat. I know everybody wants to come together. So look, if you can make it, you want to come on the 3rd of August, Kelly Girl and I will be there hanging out. We are super excited because we get to go to SeaWorld. We I'm get a, to go to, yeah, we get to go to SeaWorld. I'm a fun. SeaWorld geek. Kelly's excited because she gets to go to San Diego. There's a bunch of shops there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of stores like yeah. Sephora and Ulta. Yes. 
She's excited about that because she doesn't have those here in Cabo San Lucas. But we'll be there at the dinner. At the, It's a uh, tribute to Bill Shedd and his lifetime of conservation and all the work he's done to make sure that we get to fish in California and fish around the world. Bill Shedd was an innovator. He was on the cutting edge of a lot of things back when all this conservation went into effect. If you want to join us for dinner and all the proceeds go to CCA, which are super important because if we want to keep fishing open in California, CCA is the only voice we have at the table. So hit that QR code right there. Join us for dinner. We're going to start out at the Hubs Research Center, and then we're going to take the Sky Tram over Ooh. to the property after hours and have a phenomenal day. Are I'm, you going to be able to do a day? Dave's afraid of heights. Oh, right? uh, I'll do my best. I might have to eat a value for something, but <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. No, my you'll be all right. <laughs> I'll do my best for a couple seconds. I'll be looking straight down at those yeah. of you that are on the or Sky Tram with us. It'll be blown away. I hate heights, like you can't comprehend, yeah. but. Join us for dinner. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun night. And all the proceeds go to CCA. So don't miss out on this bitchin' dinner that we're going to have there. And then uh, just enter that QR code for the Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, and that will enter you in to win that free bag of swag, a bag of coffee, and a Your Saltwater Guide T-shirt. It's going to be cool. We're going to give that away on July 1st. So, if you guys have any burning desire oh, to ask me or Kelly Girl a question, we're going to answer the most to the best of our abilities. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we answer your questions. And uh, John Stanley had a question. He was the first one to ask a question. So, okay. we'll talk about that. And then, while we're waiting for more questions, we'll get into more about Captain Dave's life. Kelly Girl got some questions she wants to know. Okay. So, John Stanley, uh, his Comment question, if I don't have the right paperwork to fish the Coronado Islands, can I still pass through the islands, not fishing to get to a spot below it and not worry about being boarded? Absolutely. The way I approach the Coronados when I don't have my when I don't have my proper paperwork and, and the wristbands and everything, I stay out of the zone completely. But I always go when I'm headed down the line to fish the the hidden bank or whatever i don't go the inside route i always go outside outside of uh north island and then head down the line that way i don't i try to stay out of that inner zone just because it just there's no reason to just go driving by them with your fishing rods and the rod holders waving at them going i'm not stopping why would you do that that's the silliest thing i've ever heard of and then try to spend 20 minutes or an hour of your time explaining to the Mexican authorities that you weren't going to fish at the yeah. Coronados, <laughs> go to the outside. That is the best way to trans. And yes, it's totally legal to drive through the zone. It is. It's totally legal. But why would you go in there where they're at? Why would you go between the beach and the, the island unless you have all your proper stuff that you're supposed to have? And that wristband is crucial to have when you're fishing down there and your passports and everything else that you want to fish in Mexico. But if you're going offshore and you're not going to, you don't need any of that stuff. All you need is your Mexican fishing license. But as soon as you're on the inside, you got to have passport, wristband, everything that you need. So that's how I would approach that. That's how I approached it for many years since they changed the laws down there and they could change the law again tomorrow. So 
just stay out of that zone. Make make it easy on yourself so you don't have to spend the day explaining to you why you were there. All right. Uh, Jesse wants to know if you can uh, talk about uh, getting the proper permits and paperwork to fish the corn on Well, something really cool, Jesse, that came out on uh, Let's Talk Cookup the other day. You can go to the SAC website, Sport Fishing Association of California's website. And on the website now, they're making it available to get everything you need to fish in the, the biosphere down there at the Coronados. Everything's available. Easy. Click, click. Go to Sport Fishing Association of California. I think it's sportfishingassociationcalifornia.org. But just type in, you don't even have to do all that anymore. Just type in Sport Fishing Association of California. Click on that. You're going to see a thing about the proper ways to fish the Coronados, and you can gather all your paperwork there. Ken Frankie was on the show last week with uh, a bunch of uh, dignitaries from, from Mexico, and they just explained to us how easy they have made it now with the Sport Fishing Association in California. There's no more guesswork. You just go right to the website, click in there, and go that way and do it that way. And that's the easiest way that I can think of to do it. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a pretty cool thing because the Sport Fishing Association of California is working for all of us to keep these areas open. Even if you don't own a sport boat, they're still working for us private boaters and allowing us to access all of that through the website is pretty cool. Right, Kelly Girl? Right. Okay, so do we have any more questions? No, we don't. Oh, so. what's that? Well, that's, it's not a question. Oh, some guy trying to get your phone number. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. See how that works. Oh, that's funny. I'll All right, so I'll what, <laughs> what burning desire questions? She thought she could ask me some oh, more stop, crazy stop. questions in front of everybody that I would answer. No. Okay. No, go ahead. Okay, wait, we have a question. Uh-oh. Stop making me laugh. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't make her laugh. Uh, do you guys... Uh, did you guys hear about the boat that sank at the Channel Islands? Yes, we did. We heard all about it. We have the inside, inside, inside story. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. It's not a good look for the sport fishing industry in any way, shape, or form. Some things like that should never, ever happen. That's just never, ever, ever should that kind of stuff happen. It's not supposed to happen. It's a very, very... the the. The maritime law is very, very cut and dry. Shall not occur is the words. Shall not occur. That boat shall not crash into anything. Shall not occur is cut and dry. There's no way around it. That is the fact, Jack. And uh, yes, very, very sad for the CJ. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. Very sad. It's, it was not a good thing. People got hurt. People sleeping in their bunks. The boat hit the hit something in the dark in the middle of the night. People sleeping got thrown out of their bunks. A lot of it was very very bad situation. A hell of a way to wake up. Scary, 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 scary. That's why if you're gonna work or if you're gonna be out at night, it's imperative that you know what the hell you're doing. It is imperative that you're not falling asleep. And if you are. It's imperative that you get somebody else up. If you can't keep your eyes open, and I've been there, you just can't keep your eyes open anymore. It's impossible. You just work 30, 40 hours in a row. Wake someone up. Get someone up. If there's no one else on the boat to get up, then stop and wait. and get Go get some coffee or go do something. But don't keep trying to drive when you can't keep your eyes open. 
That's what this one's all about. This baby. is our very random question, but tell Earl, it's not a question, but tell us about the time you won the fishing tournament here in Cabo, what you caught and what the prize was, what you won. I just think that's such a cool story. It was Tournament de Pesca and it was during the, the pandemic and they had a big tournament down here. It's a locals tournament and it's all the local captains and local deckhands get together and they have a big tournament this the year we won it was there was a 209 boats in the tournament and in order to qual it's a dorado tournament is what it is but then they throw in a side pot of a wahoo and my good buddy perico won the wahoo division and then we i was with my buddy jeff ham his son nicholas uh our good buddy yogi and his son um uh, Chico and and uh, one other passenger. I can't remember his name. Very good friend. I'm sorry. I'm drawing Ooh. a blank. I will remember you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that good I have, yeah, he's not that good. Either. I'm just kidding. But uh, we, I got invited. We were actually uh, putting the boat over in, in uh, on a freighter, so there was. I had nothing to do. So Jeff asked me if I'd like to come fish the tournament with him and. Uh, I'll tell you, the Dorado fishing went from full speed, wide open, as good as it could be, to that day it was as bad as it could possibly be. <laughs> 209 boats out driving around all day. The bottom of the ninth, we got a jig strike. And Jeff had probably 10 scoops of these little sardines that were just like candy for the Dorado. We had this little Dorado jump across the back of the boat in the boat <laughs> wake, coming to eat the feather. The minute we saw that, we threw a bunch of bait out in the water. The whole herd of Dorado charged the boat. In order to have a qualifying fish in this tournament, it needed to weigh 20 pounds. The Dorado charged the boat. We got nine fish in about a minute and a half. And one of them, we all were convinced, was the one. So we took off running as fast as the boat would go back to the, to the uh, pier. I called Kelly girl. It just happened to be that my son and his uh, baby mama were down here with us, <laughs> Jewel. They were here visiting during the pandemic. So we came pulling in the harbor. Kelly girl was there with Sean and Jewel. And they had the pier where the cruise boats unload. They had that all fenced off because back then the uh, virus lived on the pier. So you couldn't go on the pier. Only you could go on the pier if it was one person at a time. But... Uh, <laughs> You know me, being the criminal that I am, I snuck Kelly Girl and my son and his girlfriend in, yeah. and then uh, we weighed that fish on the pier, and he weighed 20.0 pounds. <laughs> he weighed exactly 20 pounds, not an ounce bigger, not an ounce smaller, and uh, then we waited for two hours over on the Carpadium with Jeff Hamm and his family, and we waited and waited and waited to see. No other boats came in. And we won 128,000 US dollars with one dumb 20 pound throttle. <laughs> Pretty spectacular. The pictures are on our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. If you look back three years ago in November, and that was pretty spectacular. That was fun. That was, that fun. was fun. That was and, fun. And uh, here's the really funny thing the guy, when we won the money, he, he told me, tomorrow you can come to the mobile gas station up in the middle of town. 
and uh, you can get your money. Yeah. I was like, you got it. What? <laughs> so I put Yogi, Chris Ham, Nicholas Ham, myself, and uh, and uh, well, I think Yogi's son was with what? us, but we all went up there. And uh, they said, nope, only Dave can come in. And I was like, no, I'm bringing Chris, too, as my interpreter. I need I need an interpreter. And we walked into this guy's office at the mobile gas station upstairs. And he goes, okay, hold on a second. And he opened the vault. And I looked in there, and there were stacks of pesos. And one little stack of $100 bills, but stacks and stacks of pesos. And he goes, that's all yours. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? And he starts pulling all this money out of this safe. Now, we're in the middle of downtown Cabo San Lucas. You guys, most of you have never been there. It's up the hill quite a ways, but we're in the middle of downtown. He pulls out all this money. I had a little satchel. I had a little tiny bag that I brought. You had a what? A satchel. satchel, you know, like uh, Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover. I, I had a satchel. Yes, a little purse, a little man purse. I had a little man purse. And uh, I looked and I was like, there's no way all these pesos, 128,000 US dollars in pesos. And I was like, there's no way they're going to fit in my little satchel. So. So I asked, and the guy gave me a backpack, a full-size backpack, and it was stuffed as much as you can. We stuffed it all in there. And I didn't know, but I found out a little bit later before we got in the car that I was on all the news channels the day before down in Cabo. <laughs> I was on TV and everywhere. So everyone knew that I had just got 128000 U.S. dollars. So I told, I told Yogi and Chris and Nick, I said, okay, listen, here's what. Hanging on to it. What happened? The stream's having a connection problem. He goes, hang on to this. I asked Ogie, I said, hang on to this. Keep it in the middle right there. Hang on to it. We're going to leave here and we're going to drive straight to the marina. And if anyone tries to pull us over, we're not stopping until we get to the marina. And I'll tell you what, we were all very, very nervous. And we drove to the marina, parked in the parking lot by Dairy Queen, Jumped out of the truck, ran down to the carpe diem, opened the door to the salon of the carpe diem. Jeff was hanging out in there. We jumped inside. We locked the door, <laughs> locked the door, dumped the backpack out on the floor on the carpe diem, and it was unbelievable. And then we laid all the money out, and we split up. And it was cool because the owner of the carpe diem didn't want anything to do with the money. We all put our own money in. So we didn't have to split it with an owner or anything. It was just all the boys. And it was pretty spectacular. And we each got 18,000 US dollars to take home that night, which was pretty nice little for catching a 20 pound Dorado. It was a pretty big little pretty day. Cool. What, did, what happened to all that money? What did you spend it on? Kelly. <laughs> you did? Uh-huh. Me? Yeah. Oh, me. The little homies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a, that was that was a cool thing. Not bad, huh? So that's what happened down here. That was just one of the cool things that's <laughs> happened to us down here. And the Dorado are fighting now, right? Right now, right it's now? the most unbelievable thing. It's like they flipped a switch a couple days ago. It's full speed yellowfin tuna. 
blind jig strikes, wide open yellowfin tuna everywhere, all over the place, six miles off the beach here. And then uh, if you don't get one of those, you're going to get a big giant Dorado. These Dorado are like 20 to 50 pounds, and it's really good. You go look at all the go look at the pictures on Mahi Sport Fishing, or go look at the pictures on Pakudo Sport Fishing. The the fish fishing right now is insane down here, and, and something really unbelievable, gang. It's not even well. It's today is the middle of June, and the water's already 86 degrees here. And on Saturday, the wind stops blowing. The temperature, we've had the wind just howling on the Pacific side for like a month. The wind just going to stop blowing on on a Saturday. And, oh, my gosh, it's going to be absolutely insane around the corner on the Pacific side. No one's really been able to fish it very hard because of the wind. But uh, the whole thing's going to change. And there's a south swell, and it's pushing that water up. And I, on our Zoom meeting last night, our VIP meeting, we were talking the water temperature in Southern California has already rose four degrees in like a week. It's all coming. There's some guys that have been doing this a lot longer than I have that are saying this has got potential to be the best El Nino in the history of Southern California. If you remember back in 83, the, the most unbelievable El Nino we ever saw, it didn't even start till the middle of July. And then all of a sudden, Middle of July, all holy heck broke loose, and then it was full speed, unbelievable. And we didn't have the bluefin to cushion us until it happened. All of a sudden, in uh, the middle of July, the water got to 84, 85, 86 degrees, and it was wide open yellowfin tuna, striped marlin, sailfish, whale sharks, just incredible in 83, absolutely incredible. Wow. Pretty exciting. All right. Very exciting. Well, we got well, any you. questions? Oh, we do. Uh oh. We do. Oh, oh, we got a couple. Shoot. Okay. Uh, let's see. A question to see anchor winch versus anchor windlass. Which is better for a private boater? Give us the uh, pluses and minuses and the durability of one over the other. Okay. Are you, I think you're thinking of the, the winch as that big drum roll. And those drum rollers work very, very good on the bigger boats, the commercial boats. They use them a lot. And then that that uh, windlass that sets flat on the deck, that thing works phenomenal. The only problem with that is the auto feed where it goes from your line, not rope, where it goes from your anchor line to your chain. That splice, sometimes it has a hard time falling in the hole, and then it snaps that uh, – that spring cotter pin there that that's the automatic feeder that goes back and forth like this so that deck mounted windlass the pros are it's a pretty pretty beautiful little thing and it makes it easier to get around on the bow the minuses are the feed the rope going down are the line excuse me we i know there's a lot of highly technical people over here so the line, when it goes down in the hole, it has a tendency to bind up, especially when it gets to the uh, to the splice. So that's the downfall. And the drum roll, drum roller, the anchor winch type of deal, that thing's flawless. It does, but it looks ugly on your boat. It's an ugly, ugly piece of machinery. That's the downfall, or the big, the big cat head standing up on the top of your bow that you have to wrap your line around and pull it. That's a trip hazard all day, every day. That's the downfall where those, 
the windlass, it's kind of flush almost with the deck. It's not very, it's maybe raised that high, maybe a little bit higher, maybe an inch and a half, two inches. So it makes it really, it looks really good on your yacht or your smaller private boat. But the drum roller or the, the windlass, the cat, or excuse me, the drum roll or the uh, anchor winch with the cat head on top of it, that thing's flawless. It works like a champ. It's a machine. It works really good, but it's more for commercial fishing or for sport boat style fishing, not for the yacht. The yacht, you want it all flush. You want it to look pretty. You want it to all flow together so your friends and your clients aren't tripping over it. So hopefully that hopefully that was even the question. I don't even remember what the question was. Well, I read you the question. I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is from Tim Ogilvy, and he wants to know, how hard is it to splice anchor line together? Hi, Tim. It's very, very difficult. And there's very, very few people that can actually do it. You want to go, I, I would go down to Tunaville and talk to Tommy Gomes and see if he's got any of his uh, tuna buddies, any of his, his commercial guys down there that are willing to make a few extra bucks and splice the line for you. Once in a while, they have a guy at West Marine sometimes that can do it. Tony Grayshock has a guy once in a while that shows up in the shop that can splice it, but it's not an easy thing to do. And the biggest problem is when it goes through the windlass with that splice on it, it, it has a tendency to bind. So you really have to know what you're doing. It's very, very important to know the proper way to do it. So to find somebody to do it is a challenge and to have them do it right is another challenge. So Hopefully that answered that question. And uh, what time is it, Kelly Girl? It is uh, 12 24. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> we got uh, one more thing to show you here. Hold on. Stand by. Stay with us. Don't go away. Gang, I want to thank you all for being on the show and listening and watching and talking and listening to us. We appreciate the heck out of it. Hold on one sec. Let's see this. Gang, Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, right here. This stuff, this is an incredible product. This is the light roasted. Kelly loves the dark roasted. I love the light roasted. I have it every morning, every morning. It brings my energy level up, allows me to do all these great podcasts for you and produce all these phenomenal videos that you get to watch every day. And it's all because of a Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. So make sure you visit the website. I'm gonna throw the QR code up right now. Okay, gang, back to what we were talking about, that Roasted Anchor Coffee. All you gotta do is visit the, visit the store through the QR code. That's gonna enter you into the contest to win the free bag of swag. You don't have to buy anything, but you gotta go in there and look at the store. But then when you're in there, you're gonna go, oh, I need some of this coffee, plus it's, most of the coffee you guys are buying, you don't even know where it comes from. These guys are in San Diego. It's a family-owned business. Support the small businesses, gang. Support the small businesses. I know you like to go to Sam Walmart and get his coffee, but support the small business. That's what runs America. So check out Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, and let's get going here. Thank you. So back to what we were doing. Do we have any more well, questions? Well, we don't have any more questions, okay, but I, I have a question. So tell us what, is, in your opinion, what is the number one mistake that private boaters make? Number one. 
I would think the number one mistake that, and I had this conversation with one of our members this morning, that the number one mistake that I believe they make is they listen to the wrong person. They're listening to their, and we talk about this all the time, gang, you're going to love this. They listen to their aunts, mothers, cousins, brothers, <laughs> plumber, and they go, they go, well, the, the, the plumber said that this worked last year when he went out fishing for that one hour that he went out. Gang, it's super important, especially if you're just getting into this, is to make sure that you're getting your information from someone who actually fishes for a living every single day. If they don't fish for a living, why in the world do you want to know what they know? If they have a job where they are an airline pilot or something else, and then they're going to fish on the weekend, and, and they're going to tell you that you need to listen to what they have, why? I don't want to know what... Well, I'll sum it up perfect. My dad told me when I was a little boy, never take financial advice from someone who doesn't own a jet. If they don't own a jet, you really don't care what they know about money. And I was like, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't want to listen to the guy that's driving, driving around in his mom's Carmen Ghia about what to do with my money. And, uh, and he said, David, understand. The people that don't fish for a living, you don't want to know what they know about fishing. Be careful who you listen to when you're out there wandering around in the world because you're going to be a fisherman your whole life. So try to get all the all the information you get from guys that are fishing every single day. And then the next thing was your line's going to be too heavy, your weight's going to be too heavy, your hook's going to be too big. Those are giant, giant. And I don't care if you're fishing in Texas, Australia, on the San Clemente Pier. It's all about bait presentation, our lure presentation. Most people have way too much garbage tied to their line, and they take that. I know, I know, your sister's brother's aunt cousin <laughs> told you to put a swivel on. People that are using swivels to hook their lures on, that's because they're lazy, and they don't know how to tie a knot. Every time you put something on your line, it allows the fish to see it, and that's just one more fish that isn't going to bite your lure. And I want every fish in the ocean to bite my stuff. So I try to make it as stealthy as possible. As stealthy as possible. Yeah, because you got to think most of these fish have been fished for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. So if you can present your bait or your hook or your lure without any contact with outside information, when they see that lure or that hook, they're, they're seeing it looking natural. But if you start to tie beads and ribbons and... Uh, swivels on there. Those are all things that the fish can see and identify it, not food. They identify it as danger, 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 danger Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you prefer combo GPS fish finder radar or standalone units? Standalone units. Wow. Why? Because you start to shrink down the pictures that you're looking at, especially if you're navigating at nighttime. I don't want, I don't want, a little tiny picture of the radar and then a little tiny picture of the GPS side by side. I don't, I, I can't see it. I need the radar to be its own screen. I need the GPS to be its own screen. Now, when it's nice, what, what I do a lot of times with the combo unit, normally most yachts at least have two monitors. So when I'm traveling at night, the fish finder, I'm not really looking at that till I get into the zone where I want to try to find that blue fin or I get to San Clemente Island or something. So I'll use that monitor for the radar only. And then the other monitor will be used for the GPS. Then as we start to get into an area where there's fish, I'm going to probably take 
I'm there. I know I'm where I want to be. I'm going to flip the GPS off and I'm going to make that the fish finding apparatus and I'll leave the radar on the other monitor. But as far as shrinking it down and making it three and one or two and one, that's kind of gnarly. Unless you, if you're on a smaller boat, like a 20 foot skipjack or a 20 foot sea swirl or something like that, you don't have the dash to have a bunch of units up there. So then you're going to have to, you're going to have to split the screen. But when I start looking for fish, I take all the garbage off and I just look for fish. If I'm looking for fish and I'm looking for a spot, like a rockfish spot, then I'll split the screen, GPS, fish finder. But I really hate not having the whole screen as my fish finding apparatus. I just, it, it doesn't work for me and I don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. I, it's, but you remember, you asked me what I like. I don't really care what you like. It doesn't matter to me what you like. You do what you like. Just like when people tell me, oh, I can't believe you eat that fish. Those taste terrible. How in the world do you know what I like to eat? <laughs> How do you know I like I like super greasy, dark. I like dark meat on the chicken. I like dark meat on the turkey. I love dark meat on the fish. And then I see these people go, oh, that's no good to eat. You don't know what I like. Don't even think for one second. But make that comment because I will make everybody that reads it laugh like hell. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, right? I yeah, guess. I, I guess, but you don't need to tell me your opinion. I don't care. <laughs> You're funny. I try. All right. Okay, well, if we... you guys have any burning questions, we're here. We want to answer your questions, but while we're here answering your questions, we also, um, Kelly's got questions about my life and stories <laughs> and things. I'm trying to get the air on, gang. That's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to be rude. It's just getting extremely hot here. <laughs> I think it's 104 today here in Cabo. It's very, very warm here. It's Cabo. very, very hot, I know. Real-world problems, I know. Yeah, but it's okay. We like it. And we love our good buddy, Cubby. I hope you're recovering yes, good. Our really, well. one of my very best friends in the whole world is having a really hard time right now. And I love you, Cubby, and I hope you're getting to watch a little bit of this. And I hope, I want you to know how much Kelly and I love you and we and miss you. We're always thinking of you. And we miss you a lot, buddy. We miss you a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what's next for Captain Dave, your saltwater guy? What's your, like? What's next? What are you? Uh, what are you working on now? What's your? You have anything? My podcast is going bananas, gang. We're bringing in so many great guests, and the numbers are skyrocketing. And and uh, the really big thing is we want to talk about is the um, app. Those of you that haven't used my app or haven't downloaded my app yet. Kelly Girl and I took money out of our personal account because we don't have a company. We don't have some big conglomerate propping us up. Everything we do is us. It's just me and her. And uh, we took a bunch of our money and we built an app for you all to go fishing with. The app is incredible. You can download the spots. You can download the game plans. You can download the videos. They're good for 48 hours. So when you're out of Catalina or Clemente or the... Or, Cortez, Tan, wherever you're at, you can have all those spots and all that knowledge and all that stuff right there at your fingertips. No one's ever done this to, for you before. We break it all down. I need every single person that watches our show to download the app. You don't, gang, just download the app. It's going to help us out tremendously because the whole way that this whole app thing gets run, to get visual, to get in front of people, is by the downloads. That's how Apple and, and uh, 
Google Play. They put the app up so people can see it. Right now, the only way you can find my app is by typing in your saltwater guide on the App Store or the Google Play Store. But as it starts to go and it starts to get more and more downloads, then they'll push it out there in front of people right now. Because if you go to the App Store or Google Play Store and try to find fishing in Southern California and app or anything about it, mine does not pop up, which is absolutely bizarre. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't pop up because of this unbelievably stupid algorithm thing going on in the world that I don't understand, but I'm trying to do my best. But I need everybody that watches the show. It doesn't I'll matter if you're, if you're planning on paying for it or not. There's free videos on there to watch. You can, But just download it. It's free. Help us out. Help Kelly Girl and I out. Help Marley out. Help everybody out. The kitties, everything. Download our app so that people that actually want to know how to fish and want to learn have an opportunity to see this thing. And if you have, if you're a member of our website and you haven't downloaded the app, what are you doing? Download the app for God's sakes. We spent twenty thousand dollars of our money to build that app for you. So please download the flipping app. It's got over five hundred eighty videos it's on super it. Super simple, it's simplified. It takes ten simplified seconds and it's user friendly. Anyone could navigate through it. It's so. not the website. I know you guys. I'm getting messages right now. Oh, I'm already on the website. It's not the web. It's an app. It's a big, big it's a, deal. It's an easier way to maneuver through the website. And it's right there on your fingertips. It's right there to be had. And it's very, very easy to use. Do us a favor. Download the app. It won't hurt. It won't hurt you. We can't get into your wallet because you downloaded the app. But you might find yourself going, well, shh, I'm at Catalina. I don't know any spots, but I was going to figure this thing out on my own because some... Booger Eater on Instagram told you to figure it out on your own. And now you're over there and you're like, I can't figure poop out on my own because this is a giant lake and nothing makes sense. And I don't see any signs on the water that says, fish here. So you'll go, oh, but I got that app from your saltwater guy that tells you everything to do at Catalina. Oh, how bitching is that? No one else has ever done that for you. I did that. Kelly Girl and I put it together. It works flawless. We have no complaints about people that actually use the app. The only complaints we have are people that don't. They bought the subscription mm -hmm. and they never watched the video. And you know, and they're like, you can tell it's I didn't catch anything. <laughs> we didn't catch it. We went out four times. I bought, I bought your website. I paid my subscription. I'm like, bro, you never watched the video. You never watched one video. And another thing I can promise all of you, not that I'm anything, not that I'm any, but the spots on our videos and the game plans that I give you every Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon, it has to be fished the way I fish. I cannot send you to places that are going to work fishing the way you fish. I have no idea how you fish. And you probably suck at it anyways. No, I'm just kidding. I just like wow. to throw that out there. You're probably that phenomenal fishermen. I can't help it. I'm on a roll. But I cannot control how you fish. But if you watch the 500 plus videos on how Dave Hansen teaches you how to fish, and then you go to the spot that I tell you to go to, and you fish the way I told you to, 
Lo and behold, you catch fish. It's the weirdest thing. It's so cool to read. You'll get uh, text messages or whatever online of uh, members saying they fished exactly how you told them to. Exactly. They followed the game plans and they were super successful. In it. And that's sometimes, sometimes, well, a lot of times amazed at, like, how do you know all this? How do you? You know, how do you know this? How do you know where, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know you're super experienced, but it's just, it's, I'm fascinated by how successful your members are just by following their simple recipe, you know, for a successful life. Well, here's the thing. I was blessed to grow up in this industry my whole life. My father's been doing it since 1947 for a living. So I was pretty much born on a sport fishing boat. Kind of was raised on the sport fishing boats. Worked on the sport fishing boats until 1991, 92. And that's when I went out on my own and started doing the yacht thing and the guide thing and going with people on their boats and running different yachts for people. But it, what I would tell you all is it's super easy to catch fish for two or three people on your private boat. That's easy coming from the world I come from. But I came from a world where I took 60 to 100 people out fishing every day every single day every day every day every day and you know what when you wake up in the morning and you look at the conditions and you get start to get a pattern and a, start to put the puzzle together you got to think of the guys that are doing it right now for a living because they're good they go out fishing every day with their clients and are their passengers and they're actually catching fish that's a big deal because I can go with Kim and Dan on their private little boat. We can go out fishing at Loya or Point Loma, and I can go catch them more fish than they've ever caught before in their lives, and they're going to be blown away. But that's easy coming from where I came from, and that's why it's – and I'm not trying to, oh, Dave Hansen's the best fisherman in the world. No, but I had to learn how to catch fish for 100 people day in and day out. The biggest, the hardest part with that world was that you'd have – on the boat, you'd have 60 people, 35 of them would do exactly what you said and catch all the fish and the other 25 people would catch nothing because they wouldn't listen. Most people's ego gets in the way of their success. It happens in the in financial world, it happens in the fishing world, it happens in everyday life. It, this ego thing screws you all up. The ego thing, what screwed me up as a drug addict and an alcoholic, that's what screwed me up, that whole thing. And now I'm sober today, and I know, and I've learned a lot from my mistakes. But I'm telling you, if you want to be successful, put your ego in your tackle box and watch some how-to videos. You can watch anybody that's been doing it for 48 years how-to videos. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think there is any. No, I'm just saying. There is oh, not very. Needs to put their ego in their I can't. Right I'm not putting my ego in my catalog. If you ask me a question, I'm trying to help everybody. It's super imperative to learn the fundamentals and do it to the best of your ability. Fundamentals are super important. All right. I'm just kidding. I know you are, and it's okay. I mean, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not. I get told that by you all the time. Yeah. No, the number so one thing she to. tells me is you're not talking to your members right now. Okay. I love you. I love you. <laughs> you don't say it like that. <laughs> no, it's, I do on film. I do in front of the yeah, camera. Of Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Dave. You're funny. 
very funny. Do we have any questions, um, anybody? I haven't looked at the phone in an awful lot do. of time. Okay, uh, this is okay. Oh, Rick Mauer. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of questions. My wife, she's oh, so cute, so isn't funny. she? She's just adorable. Okay, for a private boater, after you catch your fish and store them in the kill bag, do you add salt water to your ice, or do you do you leave the fish in the melted fresh water? Here's what I like to do on my private, when I'm fishing with you guys on your private boat, get the gills and the guts out and then pack that fish with ice. And I leave the plug out of the kill bag so the water can drain out of there. If we're running low on ice, then I'll add some fresh, some salt water in there to let it be in a slurry. But better than that, I like to just make sure that it's got ice and it's not setting in water because what happens when it's setting in water, it starts to bleach the fish out. Then the, Water will actually start to ooze into the fishes, where like where you gapped it or something. That water gets in there and it starts to turn the meat a beige color. It's not good. So I try to keep the water off the fish as much as I can. I know there's people out there that know way more about it than I do. I know that, but I'm just telling you what I do, Rick. And I try to keep the water off the fish and have as much ice as I possibly can on the boat. Get the gills and the guts out. And then somebody sent me a question yesterday about bleeding your fish and his friend is an advocate of bleeding your fish there is never a time where you shouldn't bleed your fish halibut calico bass rockfish tuna yellowtail they all should be bled you should get that blood out of them you should for lack of a better word kind of give them a slit in their throat or give them a slit in their gills and get that blood out and what we like to do is hold them in the bait tank and let that blood ooze into the bait tank because then it feeds your bait. It'll feed your sardines or your anchovies. They like to eat that blood. It's straight protein. It'll get your bait healthier. And then it'll actually get that all that blood out of the fish. That blood is not good for when it coagulates inside the fish when you throw it in your eyes. So if you can bleed them, let it bleed out first. Throw it on ice, let it chill down a little bit, then take the gills and the guts out of it after it chilled down, then pack the fish. Here's what happens a lot of times. People put their fish on the ice too quickly because what happens when the fish starts to die, they get real hot. They get very, very hot and they start to melt all your ice. So if you can get your yellowtail or your smaller tuna, like your yellowfin tuna and smaller bluefin, if you can get that, get that blood out of them, then maybe hang them in the water and drag them behind the boat or put them in the bait tank and let them cool down first. Then place them on the ice a half an hour after they die. It's way better for your ice, and it's way better for the fish. Right, well, Hopefully that you. answered that question, but I really have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, Matt would like to know, uh, do you have any good stories of some of the worst mistakes you made while fishing? Which turned out to be probably... Learning experience. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go way, way, way back to 1989, I think it was. We were fishing Abalone Point in Newport Beach. My dad was running the Clemente. I was running the Seahorse. There was an epic amount of yellowtail biting at Abalone Point. It was full speed, as good as it could possibly be. And, or no, I apologize. I apologize. Tommy White was running the uh, seahorse. I was on the Clemente. 
and the yellowtail were biting as good as they could possibly be. And uh, we thought, since they're biting so good here, we could go to San Onofre and catch them, because there was too many boats up there, and we thought, gosh, yellowtail bite at San Onofre, so we left a wide open bite. We left fish <laughs> to go look for fish. That was big mistake one. The next mistake that I made was, uh, this is gnarly. I was delivering a yacht for uh, Kelly's boss up to Seattle, and we got caught in one of the most unbelievable scenarios off of uh, um, no. Point Sur. We're already above conception. We were off Point Sur at 11 o'clock at night, and the 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 waves were like 12 to 18 foot. The wind was blowing 35 to 45 knots with the wind against the current. The waves were humongous. And uh, I really made a horrible mistake, a misjudgment of the weather. I was on a 60-foot marquee at the time, which they're not made for the ocean anyway. It was a horrible mistake. And we had a dinghy up on the roof of that thing. And I had the wrong crew member. My normal crew member, Max Bosler, he had just had a huge problem family problems, so he couldn't make the trip with me. So I had the wrong guy with me who didn't listen and didn't understand what was going on. And we got in a life and death situation where the dinghy got ripped off the roof and that radar dome got ripped off the roof by one of these giant waves and we hit it going the wrong way. We hit it sideways. I was off the wheel for a little bit trying to let the tension come out of my neck and when we hit that wave, it hit the boat so hard that it ripped the radar dome off the roof and it all four of those motorcycle straps that you ratchet down to put the dinghy on the roof and it was a 14 foot um, rigid bottom inflatable. When the wave hit it, it hit with such power that it broke all four of those motorcycle straps and it sounded like a shotgun went off and then the dinghy shot straight up in the air and we came down off of that 15 foot wave and then all of a sudden, we came back up on the next wave, and the dinghy came down, motor first, and went right through the swim step. This was a 65-foot boat. When it went through the swim step, the motor stuck in the swim step. And then we hit the next wave, and the you could see on the video camera in the back of the boat, the dinghy was flopping back and forth. And the guy that was with me goes, I'm going to go down there and see what I can do. I grabbed him by the arm, and I said, don't move, man. All you can do is pray that that dinghy breaks off the back of the boat, doesn't take the swim step with it, because if that happens, we're going to lose the boat. And then the next wave came and took the dinghy away. And then we limped into Monterey Bay in the middle of the night with no radar and just the GPS. And it was the biggest mistake I ever made driving a boat in weather. And then, uh, Recently, the biggest mistake I made fishing was when that bluefin first started to bite the kite. When, well, when I first started to do it, and I didn't really know in 2015. When that fish is at the end, when we're dragging them, and they're at the end, and you got like 10, 15 feet of line left, and they do, they do every single one of them, every single time, does this massive head shake right at the end. And I'm dragging them, like I talk about in my videos, and I'm dragging them, and when he does that head shake, I would panic. And I would put it in neutral because I didn't know what was happening. And they would throw that rubber flying fish out of their mouth right there. Ah. 
So <laughs> it's getting cold now. It's like I know. it's probably like Dana Point in here now. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I Jeff, say that because my sister says they haven't seen yeah, the sun in four weeks. It's raining this morning. Raining. My goodness. Raining. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's see. Uh, we still got some questions. We got to see. We and Matt, did you meet Stevie when you were in down there in uh, Puerto Vallarta? But call us, let us know, or tell me to text me or whatever. All Go right. <laughs> All right, Brian wants to know. Uh, the tool, he wants to know about the tool you use uh, that you kill the fish, then it's a wire, you run down the spine of the fish, people say it works. What do you think about it? It would work phenomenal if you know how to do it. The guys that know how to do it are very, very good at it. They, uh, I have no idea how to do it. I've never, ever done it. I have no idea how to do it. It doesn't work. It works flawless, and it works really good. Um, a lot of the guys on the long range boats are very, very adept at the way that it works and how it works. This was a great question because it was on uh, Let's Talk Hookup on Sunday when I getting ready to do my part of the show. And uh, Pete was talking about it and he tried it. Rick tried it. It's not easy. It's a skill. You have to practice, practice, practice. Really gnarly to try to practice on it on a boatload of people or on your private yacht when you're out with your boss. It's something that you want to learn how to do because it's going to make your fish much better tasting. It's going to allow that muscle to relax when you remove the nerves from the spine. And that's what he's talking about. And it's a Tamaguchi or something like that. Tamaguchi. I'm not exactly sure exactly the process or what it's actually called, but it's been done by the long range boats for quite a while. And AFCO has a whole series on their, uh, website about how to do it and they're very good at it but i have no idea to be perfectly honest oh let's see um going back to your mistakes you forgot about the time the kite flew away on the lionfish oh my <laughs> gosh thank you very very much is that andy i believe so <laughs> oh my gosh so so i fly up to yeah, california from sandy from cabo and I go out fishing with my good buddy Pat and his and his sons, and we're gonna go get that bluefin. And we find the bluefin, and we drag the kite around all day, and we can't get a bite. So we end up going back to the island and fishing rockfish and calicos because that's our favorite thing to do. But the next morning, we're coming out of Northwest Harbor, and we filled up the balloon with some more uh, helium, and we're getting ready to go put it up. And I put the balloon on the kite rod. Or excuse me, I put the kite and the balloon on the kite rod. I turn around for one second to grab the safety, and it takes off out of the rod holder, gone. Brand new kite reel, Daiwa from Mark Mills. I think the reel itself was like 1500 bucks. Brand new kite rod from Akuma. Brand new Bob Lewis lightweight kite. All that stuff. We spun around, started to go to it. It was too heavy for the helium balloon. I was racing as fast as that 44 Pacifica would go. I think we were doing nine knots to spin the boat around and try to catch up to it. And we got there just in time to watch it sink down to 3,000 feet of water. Oh. And that was that. Bummer. Goodbye. Bummer. Yeah, thank you, Andy. I forgot <laughs> all about that, but yeah, thank you. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Okay. I think this is our last question. No way. Yeah. You guys don't have any questions. We've got plenty of time left, or I'm going to have to tell you more silly plenty. stories. I don't have plenty. 
Kelly doesn't have any time left. She's busy. She I've has got to go to work. Down the street. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> down the street. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, are there any uh, halibut biting down here in Cabo? No. No. It's too hot down here. We catch halibut in the mangroves up in the Well, wait a minute. If you look at my videos, if you go look at the videos I post, I have videos about halibut. But unbeknownst to myself, fishing for a living for 48 years, now they're the halibut that we all believed in our hearts were halibut. They're not halibut. They're actually flounder. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. The California Fish and Wildlife didn't know that. But holy moly, guacamole. There's 100 people on social media that want to tell me that they're uh, not halibut. That's so crazy that they're not halibut. It blows my mind. I had no idea. I thought all these years, all those halibut we were catching were actually halibut. Isn't that wild that they're not halibut? I just find that rather unbelievable. It just blows my mind that those halibut are not halibut. I think that's so bizarre. Don't you? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get this thing to work here. Now you're going to love it up close and personal. Oh, boy. All right, here we Dave. got it. We got it. Oh, so we're so put together right here, aren't we? There you go, slide over a little <laughs> okay, bit. Now good. we're back. I'm good. Back. Okay. The the problem was the iPad for TikTok was starting to die, but we're back. I'm sorry. And uh, halibut aren't halibut, but as far as down here, the water's too warm. And uh, up in Lopez Mateos, up in the mangroves, we catch a lot of halibut up there. Up in the Sea of Cortez. We catch some halibut up in there. But down here in Cabo, there probably are a bunch of halibut. We don't catch them. I don't know why. Okay. That's we all go. we got. You got that's another burning question for Captain Dan? That's all we got. Wait, you don't believe me? No, I do I'm believe you. I do believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I always believe you, sweetheart. I think you're no, the smartest human being in this house. All right. Oh, oh. Tim, uh -oh, uh -oh. Tim Ogilvy is leaving for Bishop on Monday. I'm super jealous. And he wants to know, what is your favorite trout lure? I fly fish, Tim. So I'm a fly fisherman. And I love to fly fish. And I up there, I like to fish hot, hot creek. And we're using a size 22 or 26 fly. And things so micro, you can't even see it. But I got my own little spot that I like to go to. Kelly brings her towel. There's a nice rock that she sets on and watches me fly fish in this one little pool, and I can fish there all day using these little tiny flies, size 22s or, or 20s, or tiny, tiny. They look like a pinhead. They're so little, but the trout, they eat them up there, and there's I catch lots of them using those, but that's my go-to thing is fly fishing when I go to the Sierras, but if I was going to fish with a lure, I don't even... Oh, I know. Those... um. Those little hubs, the little uh, hookup baits, the little tiny ones, the little tiny hookup baits that Chad, Chad makes. My nephew, Cameron, he, when we're fly fishing with my brother, Jeff, and we're fly fishing in uh, Utah or fly fishing in the Sierras, he's using those while we're fly fishing, and he's catching 50 fish to every one of ours. So those little hookup baits, the little tiny ones that Chad makes, they work phenomenal. And you throw them out there on two pound. You want to fish them on two pound. And they're, they work epic. And you just give them a little twitch, wind in a little bit of the slack. As it's free falling, the trout will hit it. Twitch, twitch. Wind in the slack. Let it sink. Twitch, twitch. And those things work flawless. 
And you know where they work really good? Is on Convict Lake. Convict, Kelly loves Convict. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful. But on Convict Lake, on the far right side, when you pull up into that parking lot, you look to the far right side, you can hike over that little mountain right there and you come down to this little bay and it's really, really good in there. And all the stockfish like to stack up in that bay. Oh, Sunday. <sighs> yeah, well, Someday. your dumbass husband <laughs> had to buy a flipping monkey. <laughs> oh, you love him. Look at him. I think I think he sees the O W L. He's acting very strange. So he's chirping a lot. I believe that our lovely neighbor behind us put has put the owl in Marley's sight, and Marley's so afraid of this. It's a fake owl. It's plastic. Um, so anyway, I don't see it. It's okay. hiding. All right, good. So I don't know good, what good, he's worried good. about right now. <laughs> He just wants to make sure we know he's right here, oh, huh, yeah. little buddy? <laughs> you little cutie. Okay, so we got time for some more questions or stories or whatever. Okay, what do we mean we're done? What no. time is it? It's not one o'clock. It is not yes, one o'clock. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh, well, I just want to talk to everybody All for right. hours on end. Okay, well, listen. Listen, download the app, download the app, download the app. Please download our app. I can beg and beg and plead, and I just want you to download the app, gang. It's quick. It's easy. Go on that QR code. Those of you on TikTok, go to Your Saltwater Guide. It's free to download the app. You're going to help us out tremendously. If you enjoy anything we do, try to help us a tiny bit and download the app. Download the app. Download the app. And don't forget to go to the coffee company. Go to Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. Go through this QR code right there, and that's going to enter you into the contest to win the bag of swag we're going to give away on July 1st. Go to Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, and don't forget to join Kelly and I for that dinner to, to uh, celebrate Bill Shedd, the owner creator of AFCO, and his father was Milton Shedd, the creator of SeaWorld. Great story time with our excuse me great interview with bill shed over on our website yoursaltwaterguide.com you can find out all about the man who he was what he's all about and uh we will see you tomorrow with the world famous rj boyle Ooh. mr rj boyle is super super famous on the east coast deep drop swordfish he came to the west coast taught us how to do it and then that code was broken as soon as he came out here and showed everybody how to do it. And he just came out last, what was it, uh, less than a year ago. They had that big swordfish competition tournament, and he won it, hands down. He won the whole tournament. He, he won. He, he took home the first place, all the money. R.J. Boyle, he's also a phenomenal artist. He has the R.J. Boyle Studios. Are you so, and then he's a singer. No idea. He has a <laughs> bunch of good. he has a bunch of music videos out there. You won't believe Pretty them on cool. YouTube. They're hilarious. They are really, really funny, and they're very, very talented. RJ will be with us tomorrow. It's going to be a really fun show. He's a very close friend of mine. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So make sure you join in with the show tomorrow with RJ. Kelly girl, thanks for being a part of the show. I know you love this. My pleasure. Thursdays are your favorite. I love, day. I love doing this. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Thank you all for Thank watching. You. Thanks for being a part of the show. I can't believe an hour went by that fast. <laughs> Adios. Bye.